0: Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 179 of the Sco Show, Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back at the big chair for today, Monday, March 15th, the Ides of March. And this is a massive week. This is a massive week. This is the start of the NFL league year. The season is about to truly begin in earnest, and while this is a mock draft Monday, I'm going to get to listener mocks in the second half of the show, but we're going to do things a little bit differently to sort of mark the moment here in the first half of the show. Before we do that, your usual reminders at the top, please follow along with the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work, Matt Waldman's rookie scout and portfolio, Um, three different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit. And of course, USA Today, Touchdown Wire, did some stuff last week. I'm doing some stuff on both Touchdown Wire and over at Big Blue View on Prospect Breakdowns. That will get you to my YouTube channel where I'm doing all sorts of film breakdowns. Also, plug in the Scotia Slack channel. You might want to um, hop on board because the men and women in there, they're watching Prospects all the time. They're doing Zoom sessions. You might even see a special guest appearance from somebody to talk quarterback soon. Maybe. So if you'd like an invite to that, please hit me up on Twitter. Again, at Mark Schofield or Mark.Schofield. That inside the pylon.com is the email. Um, you can find me a bunch of different ways, but those are the two easiest ways. I said we we're going to do something a little bit different at the outset, and I sort of want to start here. The final hill. The final hill begins after the shops at Center Street and rises a half mile to Hammond Street. In itself, the incline is merely challenging, but after 20 and a half miles, the effort becomes the toughest stretch on the course. Once at the summit, however, the Prudential Tower comes into view, the Boston College Band may be playing, and a half mile of downhill lies ahead to ease your breathing and punish your legs. Of course, I'm talking about heartbreak Hill. Now, this is, of course, a Patriots podcast, a football podcast, and not a podcast about running marathons and or the Boston Marathon in particular. But I do want to talk about Heartbreak Hill. Now, Heartbreak Hill, of course, got its name decades ago, and it stems from a particular moment of heartbreak for a marathoner pushing for the lead in 1936. And I'm reading from a Boston Globe story. On that Monday, runner Ellison Tarzan Brown from Rhode Island set, quote, a blister in pace, the Boston Globe reported back in 1936. The newspaper pro- sports reporter Jerry Nason wrote that Brown, quote, set every course record for the 23 of the 26 plus miles crash into oblivion, close quote. That's beautiful language, the type of stuff I wish I could write. Brown's pace, quote, literally caused him to race himself, as well as the remainder of the field dizzy. He was more than three minutes above the record pace until the mocking hills of Newton, close quote. It was there, on the last of the hills, that Johnny Kelly of Arlington, who won the marathon in 1935, the previous year, wiped out a half-mile deficit to catch Brown. Kelly went so far as to pat Brown on the shoulder, as he went to pass the race leader. And in response, Brown surged ahead, going on to win the marathon in two hours, 33 minutes, and 40 seconds, become the second Native American to win the Boston race. Nason referred to the incident as breaking Johnny's heart. So that was thought to be the way that the term Heartbreak Hill became coined. Kelly came in fifth and had to be carted away from the finish line. He was, quote, worn and battered to Bits by the chase over the hills, according to the Boston Globe. Never has the race witnessed such a courageous, nearly hopeless pursuit as that which Johnny Kelly made to reach Brown, Nason wrote in the Boston Globe the day after the 1936 marathon. Now, why am I writing? Writing? Why am I talking about Heartbreak Hill? Why am I talking about the Boston Marathon? It's not because I've ever run it. I have a strange relationship with the greatest marathon in the world. I've never run it. I've witnessed it a million times. Never run it, though. A good friend of mine who I grew up with, who I ran track with in high school, I was a sprinter, not an endurance runner. A good friend of mine, though, um, I'm not going to mention his name here, but he's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, Somebody I grew up with, started playing baseball with when I was like seven. He's run Boston many times. I think his first time was when he was a sophomore in high school. He snuck on to the course. But this person of which I speak is an ultra-marathoner. Boston, the Marathon 26.2, that's nothing. What he does and what he has done in the past and will continue to do again around dawn of Marathon Day, while everybody else is getting ready out in Hopkinton, he's in downtown Boston at Downtown Crossing. And he starts out from the finish line towards the start, aiming to reach there around the time the race begins, which he then turns around. So 26.2, no, 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 no. 52.4 is what my friend does each marathon morning. Now, I bring up Heartbreak Hill. I bring up marathons because of this. Last week, the Patriots made some moves. They traded for Trent Brown. Just over this past weekend, they traded away Marcus Cannon to move up in the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th rounds and free up some cap space. And they re-signed Cam Newton. And... That is why I am bringing up Heartbreak Hill, because the NFL offseason, which is about to begin, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. We have not yet reached Heartbreak Hill. We have not yet reached that 20.5 mile mark of where that hill slopes upward. And the fraternities and the sorority houses are cheering you on. And the BC band is playing. We haven't got there. If anything, we are my friend at Heartbreak Hill as he heads out towards Hopkinton and not back into town. There is a long way to go. We have free agency. We have the draft. There was a lot of overreaction last week when the Cam Newton decision came out. But I'm here to remind everybody that the NFL offseason is a marathon, and it might be an ultra marathon at that, and not a sprint. The work is not completed. Now, if we get to the end of this marathon or ultra marathon, and Cam Newton remains the planet quarterback along with Jake Doliga and Jared Stidham, if that is the three person quarterback room, in may then we can react accordingly but right now we have not yet begun to hit the stride there will be r- moves and trades and silence in conjunction with this decision and i do think that at the end of that we can then truly begin to take stock of what this 2021 New England Patriots offense could look like. They needed to have a quarterback in the room. Because, let's be honest here, with this Marcus Cannon trade, the Patriots have a lot of money to spend. According to the wise and brilliant Miguel Benzon at PatCap on Twitter, he tweeted out after the Marcus Cannon trade, quote, Marcus Cannon's dead money is 2.566 million. Net cap savings is 6.2. My new Patriots salary cap number after Marcus Cannon trade is 65.2 million. It does not account for Trent Brown or Justin Bethel, and that's factoring in the Cam Newton deal, in which they've actually gained some money in the process. And so, they have a lot of money to spend. But if you're going to go out to the Kenny Galladay's and the Curtis Samuels of the world and tell them, hey, you want to come to New England, you're going to have to tell them who the quarterback's going to be. And so we are going to learn in the next 72 to 96 hours not what yahoos like me think of Cam Newton, but what his peers think of him. If the Patriots are able to bring in talent at the wide receiver position or at any position, let's be honest, it will largely be a reflection of how his peers feel about quarterback Cam Newton. If they're able to get deals done, attract talent, and not have to pay exorbitantly bigger salaries to do so, that will tell you that whatever we think on the outside, those in the league still think this guy can play. And so we are still in Hopkinton, or we are still in downtown Cross on our way out to Hopkinton, to use my friends as the example here. We are not in the closing strides here by any stretch of the imagination of the marathon that is the NFL offseason. So don't overreact. Don't swing wildly. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. It is a marathon, not a sprint. There are moves yet to be made. If the Patriots come out of free agency with some talent at wide receiver, some talent at tight end, and if they enter the draft and come out of it with maybe a Trey Lance, maybe a Mac Jones, and now we're looking at hypothetically Cam Newton, Trey Lance, Jared Stidham, Jake Dolaga as your four person quarterback room with Kenny Galladay added, with Gerald Everett added, with some other additions added, that's suddenly an offense we can get excited about and a future we could get excited about as well. So let's all calm down, let's pace ourselves, and remember, heartbreak may be in our futures, but it's not here yet. Up next, your mock drafts on this Mock Draft Monday installment of the SCO Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 179 of the SCO Show, another Mock Draft Monday. Next week, you'll get a mock from me. We will have some free agency discussions later this week. But for now, let's get to your mocks. We go to the email machine first. Again, you can email these in, uh, mark.scofield.insidethepylon.com. Russell Easterbrooks kicks us off with a PFM simulator. And he just basically swindled the Detroit Lions here. And he says as much in the email, Patriots trade 15-194 and 194 to Detroit in exchange for 41 72 88 112 And a second in 2022. Russell is a big proponent of trading down. And he actually just, as I said, swindles the lines here. Here's what he does with those picks. At 41, Xavier Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. At 46, Carlos Basham Jr., the edge from Wake. At 72, DME Brown, the North Carolina wideout. At 88, Kyle Trask. At 96, Dwayne Eskridge. At 112, Tyler Shelvin, the defensive tackle from LSU at 120. Ramondre Stevenson, Oklahoma running back. Cornell Powell, the the yoked up wide receiver from Clemson at 139. Did you see? We're starting to see some pro day stuff. We're starting to see some testing stuff. For example, Elijah Moore is training, posted a three cone of 6.62, which is just blistering. But yeah, Clemson's pro day. Powell's yoked. So we get him at 139. Benjamin St. Juiced. Minnesota corner at 158. A double dip of QB. Brady White a 196 from Memphis. And Riley Patterson, the kicker from Memphis, at 241. Fantastic job there, Russell. To the Twitter machine we go. We got our first one from Claudio Sobrazo. At Claude's 1812, at C L A U D S 1812. I hope that's a reference to the War of 1812. Read a book about that right now, The War That Changed the World, The War of the of 1812. Um, this is a PFF mock draft that he sent in. At 15, Trey Lance, done and dusted. Love it. At 47, Jabril Cox, the LSU linebacker. Like that pick as well. At 99, Demetric Felton. Running back slash wide receiver from UCLA. Quincy Roche at 120. Amari Rogers at 140. He was taking snaps at running back at Clemson's Pro Day. Adeogendi, the edge from Notre Dame at 159. Dwayne Eskridge at 193. 198, Michael Mennett, the center from Penn State. And 241, Keith Taylor, who's getting some buzz. The Washington corner at 241. Fantastic job there. Another one comes in via Twitter from Tim Fitzgerald. Who's on the Bird app at t f i t z z one one at t fits eleven, and he sent it. He sent this over via DM, and he basically said he had to do a mock because he was so mad over the Mac Jones mock draft that I did last week. And I said, I said people were going to be ragey over it, and I get it. Believe me, I get it. I do. I do. I do. Um, Tim sent in a PFF mock uh, trades with Carolina. Sent Carolina the pick at fifteen, the pick at forty six, and a second. In 2022, in exchange for the pick at eight. And with that, Trey Lance, fantastic, done and dusted. Uh Quinn Minarts at 96. Sean Wade, the Ohio State Corner at 120. Hunter Lawn at 139, the BC tight end. Patrick Jones, the edge from Pittsburgh at 145. Chauncey Golston, the Iowa edge at 177. That was also part of a trade. Um we sent looks like 159 and 241 and got 177 and 186 in return. From Tampa Bay at 186, Kobe Whiteside, the Missouri defensive tackle, Charles Snowden, Virginia Edge at 197, Felipe Franks, the raw but talented Arkansas quarterback at 199, Tough Borland, 243, which was also part of a trade as well with the Washington football team. Fantastic job there, Tim. And again, look, I I get it. I get it. The whole Mac Jones thing. Believe me, I do. Uh, Lucas Pilly. He's on the Twitter machine at P-I-L-L-I underscore L-U-C-A-S. Shout it out from Brazil. This is a Mac Jones draft. Buckle up, everybody. But it's part of a trade, a trade down. We get 23 and 34 from the Jets in exchange for the pick at 15 at 23. Mac Jones from Alabama. And then we ship 34 and... 241, because we got 34 from the Jets. To the Panthers, we get 39 and 73 at 39, Xavier Collins. Then we ship 46 and 199 to the Dolphins in exchange for 50 and 81. At 50, Terrence Marshall Jr., the wide receiver from LSU. At 73, Ronnie Perkins, the Oklahoma Edge. Uh, didn't test well, but great on film. Didn't test well at its pro day, but I love what he did on film. Tommy Togali, the Ohio State defensive tackle at 81, Benjamin St. Juice, the corner from Minnesota at 96, Baron Browning, Ohio State linebacker at 120, Mari Rogers, Clemson wideout at 139, Josh Myers, Ohio State center at 145, Adi Ogendi, the Notre Dame edge at 159, and Hamilcar Rashid Jr., the Oregon State edge at 197. PFF gave that a strange grade of a C plus. The Rashard Jr. pick at 197, I like that. Now. PFF's grades, some of them are weird, but overall, it's got the A grade. And if you're going to trade down and get Matt Jones at 23 and accumulate other picks along the way, I think if you put this through the prism of, did you address the three Ps, right? We've talked about plays, um, playbook, uh, protection and playmakers. You got some of that here. You know, Amari Rogers at 139, um, Marshall Jr. at 50, um, you add it on the defensive side as well. So I think if you're going to go the Mac Jones route, trading down and accumulating picks and doing it this way, I'm all, I'm okay with it. And I think you would be too. Now I'm going to pull through some mocks from the Scotia Slack channel. Mock draft channel to sort of close us out here. Uh, Josh, Ambry Thomas, or bust is the handle. Again, people are adding little taglines in the Slack channel. You could do that too if you were a member. Um, he has the what Bill might do mock that he put in. Uh, Mac Jones at 18, Xavier Collins at 46, Pat Frymuth at 47, DME Brown at 77, Deo Odingjingbo from Vanderbilt, The Edge at 89, Dylan Raddatz at 96. That's a great value pick there. Jay Tufeli at 97, Jared Patterson at 98, Ambry Thomas at 120, uh, Drake Jackson, the Kentucky Center at 159, Evan McPherson, the Florida kicker who the Patriots have met with at 199, and Ben Mason in the Ben Mason spot at 241. Next up is Jim. Leader or one of the leaders of the Rashad Bateman Hive. Um, made some moves in free agency. I should give it a little bit of context. Uh, traded Gilmore in a fourth for David Njoku in a second. Traded a fourth and a fifth for Gardner Minshew. Traded Cannon for a late third. Um, brought back Logan Ryan. Signed Shaq Griffin. Um, and then in the draft... Um, traded down at 33. Zayvon Collins at 46. Rondale Moore, the Purdue offensive weapon. Eric Stokes at 55, who just also ran a blaze in 40 recently. Uh, Levy owens uh the Washington defensive tackle, at 59. Kellen Mond at 77. Michael Carter at 96, the North Carolina running back. Quinn Miners at 106. Elijah Moore at 120. Love it. Cameron Sample, love it, 130. Darius Washington, one of the two TCU safeties at 154. Uh, Talanano uh, Hufanga, the USC safety at 179. Benjamin St. Juice at 199. Dax Milne, the guy that made Zach Wilson look good. The wide receiver from BYU at 244. Quentin Bohana, Kentucky defensive lineman at 253. Another one from later in the week from Josh. Trading up this time, Zach Wilson at 8. Zavin Collins at 51. Pat Frymuth at 63. Michael Carter at 81. DME Brown at 96. Alim McNeil Defensive tackle from NC State at 120. Ambry Thomas at 122. Jean-Leon Darden, North Texas wideout at 157. Getting a ton of buzz. Darius Washington, TCU safety at 159. Cole Van Lannen got a good pro day. Wisconsin's pro day at 171. Evan McPherson at 197. And then Ben Mason spot. Ben Mason, fullback from Michigan. Got a great one from Nolario doing a fan speak ultimate GM. Sent a future first and a fourth win. Gilmore to Atlanta to get... Uh the pick at four overall. Um Allen Harry to the Lions for the pick at 318, the 18th pick in the third round. Cannon um was part of a move to Houston. A lot of people got that one right because that's what happened today uh for the fourth pick in the fourth round. Lacoste to Tennessee for the 22nd pick in the fifth round. What did he do with this draft capital? Justin Fields at 4, love it, sign me up. Christian Barmore at 22, Trayvon Morin, the the other TCU safety at 41, J.O.K., the Notre Dame defender, he's listed as a linebacker, he's a slot guy, athletic dude. At 46, Jackson Carmen from Clemson, the guard at 72, Brevin Jordan, is he T2, T3, T4? At 85, Andrew McNeil at 88, Jamie Newman at 96, little double-dip at QB. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice at 120. Anthony Schwartz, the Auburn receiver, at 133. Cornell Powell, 166. Cameron McGrone, the Michigan backer, at 196. And in the Ben Mason spot, Ben Mason at 241. Nolario also sent in his What I Would Do If I Was Bill Mock, that he considers to be a realistic one, uh, part of a trade. Justin Fields at 6. JOK at 46. Trayvon Moore at a 51. Marlon Tulipolo, 2. Uh, The USC defensive tackle at 62. Brevin Jordan at 68. Quinn Miners at 96. Ambry Thomas at 125. Jamie Newman at 134. Trey Sermon, Ohio State running back at 139. Anthony Schwartz at 158. uh, Kiris Tonga, the BYU defensive tackle at 159. Cornell Powell at 196. And the Ben Mason spot is Ben Mason at 241. And we close it out with one from Jim. He said this was going to be his official submission for Mark Draft Monday. Dropping it with no commentary except Odell is a Patriot. You had some trades. You had some wacky stuff going on. The trades, let's see. We sent 15 to the Bears for 20 and their pick in the second round. Uh, We sent Stephon Gilmore to the Browns, and we got Odell and a sixth-round pick. Uh, We sent a pick in the second round to the Pittsburgh Steelers for their pick in the second round and their pick, in the third round. And what did we do? According to Jim, well, we also signed some players, too. I clicked on the wrong tab there. Here's the draft. Christian Darasaw at 20 of the Virginia Tech tackle. Bateman at 52. Santi Samuel Jr. at 55. This is this is three steals. Carlos Basham Jr. at 77. Cameron McGroan, the Michigan linebacker, at 87. Elijah Moore at 96. Jalen Twyman, the Pittsburgh D tackle, at 125. Edwin McNeil from NC State at one. 34. Fetao Melafonwu, the Syracuse safety at 139. Demetri Felton at 158. Cameron Sample at 196. Kellen Mond at 209. And then the Ben Mason spot, Quinton Bohanna, Kentucky defensive tackle at 241. Little switcheroo. How the turntables have turned right there. Um, but fantastic mocks from everybody. Really love you all um, for sending them in, for listening to the show, and all that good stuff. Later in the week, we'll have a free agency roundup uh, for Thursday. As free agency gets going. Until then, friends, stay safe. Remember, we're not even at Heartbreak Hill yet. So relax, everybody. Um, Let the deals and the trades and all that stuff, let it all fall the way it falls. And we can overreact soon. Just not yet, but soon. Um, But that will do it for today. I will be back Thursday to sort of recap what's happening in free agency. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. And when you do, send along. Bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.